you would remain standing and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. This morning we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. We're starting a new sermon series this week, and it'll last for just three weeks, where we're talking about the vision or the mission of Trinity, uh, what God has called us to as a church. Uh, we're going to be looking at our mission statement and uh, applying that in very specific ways uh, among us. So we'll be uh, looking at three things over the next three weeks. And uh, using Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 as kind of a a jumping off point uh, for us and for our mission here at Trinity. So Acts 2, 42 through 47. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord remains forever. You may be seated. And as you do, would you please bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and honoring in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. I think you guys know where I'm going. I'm not going to sing it, but I think you know the tune. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. They're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see your troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. For those of you who grew up in the 80s or beforehand, um, you know this is the the theme song, uh, the lyrics to the theme song of a very popular TV show then called Cheers. Uh, It was a show that was uh, set in a pub in Boston where the patrons share their lives together over a pint. Uh, They may not have had much, but they had each other, at least for an hour or two every day after work. Uh, They had a place where they could go where they knew people and where people knew them. It was a place to know and be known. A place where they felt like all the cares of the world would melt away. They had a place of community. 
Now, I do not endorse all the things that went on there, uh, maybe all the conversations that they had, um, but what they did have was a community and a very catchy theme song that probably will be stuck in your head as you leave church this morning. But um, this week, as I mentioned, we are starting a three-week series on our mission statement as a church. Uh, We've taken a little bit of a break from the book of Luke. Uh, We're still learning from Luke, since he is the one who also wrote Acts. But for the next three weeks, we're going to focus on different aspects of who we are as a church and where God is calling us through our mission statement, what he is calling us to do for his glory. Uh, Today, we're going to look at this concept of community. But uh, before we do that... um, Many of you may be wondering, well, what exactly is our mission statement as a church? Well, if you have uh, many of the, we had a lot of inserts in the bulletin this morning, but one of them uh, is uh, some sermon notes, and at the very top of that is our mission statement. So if you want to get that out, you can follow along uh, and reference that. But uh, our mission statement for Trinity goes like this, Trinity Fellowship Church desires to glorify God by equipping a community of believers to worship God and be witnesses of Him in central Arkansas and to the ends of the earth. First of all, why do we need a mission statement as a church? Do we really need one? Um, we have the Bible. You know, isn't that enough? Um, yes, the Bible is enough. It is God's ultimate authority. But we are a unique uh, group of people here. We are a unique community. And God has gifted us and called us uh, in different ways. And so we have developed a statement to kind of guide us in that, in who we are as a church. It helps us to focus on the things that God is specifically calling us to uh, here at Trinity as a body. Um, I run occasionally. Um, I am no Steve Sanford in his younger days, but occasionally I do run. Uh, and we have in our neighborhood the, a couple of streets that I run up and down, and one is a longer street. It's called Quapaw Trail, and I run to the end, and then I turn around, and I run back. It's not very exciting, um, but there is a bush that is at the end of that road that as soon as I turn around, that bush is in my sights, and I, lo- I run the long road down Quapaw Trail just kind of focused on that bush because that bush is my end goal. That's my target. I know when I get to that bush, I'm almost done. Um, Occasionally what I'll do is I'll look down, make sure that I'm not stepping in any potholes. Uh, I did that once, running in the dark one morning. It's not fun. Uh, I almost tripped and fell. So sometimes you got to look down. And when you're looking down, it seems like you're running pretty fast. The road is going by you at a pretty good clip. You're passing mailboxes and things like that. When you have your eyes on that, the end of the road on that bush, it kind of seems like slow going. Are we ever going to get there? Um, But it's important because if I don't keep my eyes on that prize, I'll lose my way. If you're looking down, uh, you could run off the road. Uh, You could run into something, Uh, a car that is parked on the road that you don't see. Uh, It's dangerous. So instead, we keep our eyes focused on the goal. Uh, when the, what, one of the things that they teach you when you begin to drive is you don't look at the road immediately in front of you, you look down the road so that you can keep it straight. Because if you're just constantly looking at the road in front of you, you're always adjusting. But if you keep your eyes on the prize down the road, you'll stay true. 
And this is why we have a mission statement, so that we stay true to the path that God is leading us down as a church. So Trinity Fellowship Church desires to be, or desires to glorify God by equipping a community of believers to worship God, be witnesses of Him in central Arkansas and to the ends of this earth. So this morning what we're going to look at is what this concept of community of believers is. Try to understand what that really means for us. What does it mean to be a community? Um, First of all, before I get started with community, I want to point out the obvious and the foundation of all this. Um, We're not going to be talking much about the glory of God because that is so foundational of who we are. Um, I hope that is completely and utterly understood. So I'm not going to just skip over that and gloss over that. The reason that we are in community is for the glory of God. Next week when we talk about worship, the reason that we worship is for the glory of God. The following week uh, when we talk about our witness, it is for the glory of God. So I want that to be completely understood. I'm not simply jumping over that. That is so foundational. That is so embedded into who we are. That is the reason why we exist, is for the glory of God. So if you go back into the beginning of how God created us, back to Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27, Moses tells us that God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God made us to reflect his image. He made us to reflect who we are, uh, who he is. And one of the aspects of who God is, is that he is a relational being. God is a relational being in and of himself. Now, if you take out your bulletin, and if you look on the front cover of your bulletin, you'll see the logo that we have as a church. We are Trinity Fellowship Church PCA. And we have that logo there that's in light blue and kind of a maroon color. The light blue is a triangle that symbolizes the Trinity. Uh, Because God is one in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's our name, Trinity Fellowship Church. But you also see what appears to be that maroon, that circle. It appears to be three people, and they have arms that are on each other's shoulders. Uh, Their heads are also in the shape of of kind of a triangle. It's a sign of the communion or fellowship that we have with one another because we are Trinity Fellowship Church. We have our arms on each other's shoulders. But what that also does is, in a way, it depicts the Trinity because the Trinity also have relationship with one another. They have this bond together. They are one in the same God, yet they are different and unique in their personhood, living in complete and perfect harmony and communion with one another. It's impossible for us to depict that in a picture. It's impossible. But we reflect that. 
God has made us in his image and we reflect that communalness, that we are relational creatures as well. In fact, in Genesis 2 verse 18, God says, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And so what does God do? He makes woman as a helper for the man. Now this is not just for marriage. This goes for relationships as well. Because He has created us for community. He's created us for relationship with one another. What's amazing to me now is that we have so many opportunities for this relationship between one another. Uh, for communication between uh, people. So many things that can foster community and relationship. Uh, we probably have about the same number of phones in this room as we do adults, I would uh, venture to guess. Um, I have mine on me right now. Um, we have amazing ways that we can communicate with each other. The amazing technology that we have today. We have all these great things, and yet, over the last hundred years, rates of suicide and depression have been going up. We have things like Facebook that can connect us. That's the point of it. Um, but yet, we still struggle. This past week, um, a famous actor, Robin Williams, committed suicide. He was struggling with depression. This happens all the time across the country and across the world. You would think with all these ways that we have to connect with one another that we would be happier. All these things to foster community and yet sometimes we feel so dreadfully alone. We can have a thousand friends on Facebook and I knew some, some students when I was a youth pastor who had several thousand friends on Facebook which to me, I don't, I don't even know that many people. Uh, we have these friends, but yet not a shoulder to cry on. So if God created us as relational beings to be in community with each other, to long for relationship with God, first and foremost, but with each other as, as well, what does the Bible then say about community? What does God's Word, our standard, say to us? That's where we turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It tells us about the community of believers that existed right after Jesus died, right after His resurrection, His ascension, and then He sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Peter preaches this amazing sermon. People are converted left and right, and they're putting their faith and trust in Christ. And those who became Christians uh, have this amazing relationship with one another, this great community. They were doing things together all the time. They were learning from the apostles. They were breaking bread and praying with each other. They were sharing their belongings with each other, helping each other out whenever they had need. They worshipped together. They ate together in each other's homes. They lived life together. What a beautiful picture of Christian community this is. Now, I'm sure it wasn't always 
perfect, and we know from Scripture that it wasn't. Uh, a few chapters later, we're going to read about Ananias and Sapphira and, uh, and what they had done in that community and how God had struck them dead um, because of, of what was happening there. So what are we doing here at Trinity to foster this type of community? The type of community that we see the early church enjoying? What does community look like here at Trinity? How, do we, how are we being equipped to become a community of believers? Well, first of all, what do we look like? What do we look like as a body? Daryl mentioned this morning that we have a lot of children. And actually, what I'm going to do this morning, I know this is a little unorthodox, uh, but usually we have a children's sermon on the third week. Uh, I'm going to incorporate that into the sermon this morning. So I'm going to ask children, if you would, to come on up and, uh, for our children's sermon this morning. All right, I've got a couple of questions for you guys. If you know the answer, I want you to raise your hand and let me know, okay? All right. First of all, who built the ark? Who knows? Oh, hold on. Yes, God did. But who, what man did he use? Yes, sweetie. Noah. Awesome. What was your name? Thank you. All right. So Noah built the ark, right? All right. Who, who killed Goliath? David. Yes, David. Yes, he did. He did. All right. How about this one? Maybe we'll get a little harder. Uh, who is the man who was thrown in the lion's den? Oh, oh. <laughs> we haven't gotten quite back into the school routine yet. That'll come this week. So, uh, so uh, all right, I've got another question for you. Uh, who is Jesus? Raise your hand if you know. Who is Jesus? Jesus. Yes, he is Jesus. Yes, right. He is God. What else? Who is Jesus? That's right. What else? Who is Jesus? Yeah, buddy? Who's Jesus? He's a Savior. That's right. One more. Tansy. Who is Jesus? He is God's Son. Awesome. All right, I've got another question for you. Let's see if you guys, uh, you guys are pretty smart. Uh, what's the difference between justification and sanctification? <laughs> Tansy. They are spelled different. There you go. <laughs> you can't put one by Tansy. That's right. Yeah, they are both in the dictionary, yes. Uh, how about this one? Um, why does God allow bad things to happen? Yeah? Lucas? He's Adam and Eve the fruit. That's right. That's right. So, um, children, as you can see, they do know a lot. <laughs> um, but they don't know everything. Uh, just like us, we don't know everything as well. Uh, they are learning, and they are growing, um, and we are growing together. Uh, as part of our church family, it is our joy and our privilege to train these children. Hopefully they will get to the age where they will know the difference between justification and sanctification, rather than just, they're spelled differently. <laughs> um, but they are a vital part of our community here as a church. Um, every time we have a child who is baptized, we promise as a church to help the parents raise the children. 
Yes, it is our responsibility as parents to raise our children. But Hillary Clinton wrote a book a while ago. It was called It Takes a Village. Um, I haven't read the book. I can't endorse it. I don't know what it says in it. I'm just going off the title. Um, it does take a village. It takes a community of believers to raise children. And these children are a vital part of who we are. We have 52 kids in Sunday school. 52 kids. That is amazing. And as a vital part of our community, I think it's very important for us to understand that not only are they the future of the church, but they are part of who we are right now. They are not just the future, they are also the present. Uh, we worship together, and we're going to be talking about this more next week. We worship together as families, and that's so important. It's difficult sometimes. It's difficult, but it's important because they are a part of the community of who we are. Kids, if you want, you can head back to your seats now. Thank you guys. for. It's important for us as a church to be a multi-generational community because that's who we are. That is what God has designed us to be. Uh, we will make a conscious effort here to keep our community together. And that's a good thing. Uh, sometimes it may get a little noisy in here, but this is who we are. And it is important for our children to see how we worship, to experience that, to be a part of it. So how will we as a church facilitate our community? Community doesn't always just happen. It actually takes work to make community. And it, sometimes it takes hard work. Yeah, you can have an immediate connection with someone uh, over a shared interest or an experience, but to really have a relationship with another person, it takes effort. Just ask anybody who's married. And I'm not going to knock marriage here. Marriage is great, and I love it, but it takes work. It takes effort. Um, so in order for us to work at facilitating community, uh, we're going to be starting up small groups this year. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Um, we're going to call these groups missional community groups. And there are several reasons why we're going to start up these small groups. One, it's how the church was started. We started with small groups back in the day. And we've had it uh, at various occasions during our history as well. Uh, but we need a place where everybody knows your name, uh, to borrow the Cheers theme song again. A place to know and be known. It is not always easy for us on a Sunday morning with a group, even, you know, we're not a very big church, but it's hard for us to get to know other people just on a Sunday morning. And as God graciously blesses our church with growth, it's impossible for us to know everyone real well, but it's possible for us to know some to know and be known by some. And we as a church, we are incredibly spread out. Um, I was at my sister's church this past weekend in central Illinois. I thought we were spread out. They are even more spread out. They have a family that actually travels about two hours on a Sunday morning to attend this church. I was blown away by that. Um, so, so Judith, uh, you only have about an hour. Imagine, imagine double that. Um, but we are scattered all over central Arkansas, Sherwood, North Little Rock, 
Jacksonville, Little Rock, Maumelle, Cabot, Ward, McRae, Judith comes from Bald Knob. It's hard to have a good community with one another if we only have an hour or two together during the week. It's hard. So we're going to do what the early church did. We're going to meet with each other in each other's homes. Often when my kids ask me to tell them a story, I start off this way. I say, I grew up in a little yellow house. I grew up in a little yellow house at 15518 Maple Street. So while we were visiting my parents this past weekend, um, the kids wanted to see this little yellow house. So I took them by 15518 Maple Street, where I grew up. I don't know what effect it had on them. Um, it, it was able to, they could have a picture in their mind uh, of where I grew up and what it was like. Maybe they gained a better understanding of who I am because now they've seen where I grew up. But there's something about meeting with each other in our homes that helps us to understand each other better. There's an intimacy there, and the early church certainly understood that. So we're going to start up these missional community groups, and we're going to start it off slow. Um, the focus of these groups is going to be on Bible study, on discipleship, and on mission. These groups are not just going to be uh, another Bible study that we do. Bible studies are great, and they have their place, and uh, those are, are, are being done well here at Trinity. But instead, these groups are going to be specifically designed to foster community inside the group and to make a, an impact on the community around the group as well. And there's lots of benefits that we're going to gain from these groups. Uh, first of all, shepherding. As your pastor, it is an honor and a privilege to be your shepherd. And as the Bible tells us in John 10, a shepherd needs to know his sheep. It's hard for me to know every single one of you deeply. Uh, the elders are called to shepherd as well. And it's even hard for them as we break the, the congregation down into smaller groups to know each other deeply and to shepherd effectively. These missional community groups will help the leaders of the church be better shepherds by knowing their, uh, their flock more intimately, and it will also help us to shepherd each other. The Bible tells us in so many places how we are to treat one another, that we are to love one another, to welcome one another, instruct one another, live in harmony with one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, submit to one another tells us to encourage each other in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Life is hard. We need each other to encourage one another, to pray for each other, to bring meals to each other when we need it. But we also need discipline. In James 5, verse 16, James says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. How scary is that? To confess our sins to one another. It's one thing to confess them silently to God or even audibly to the Lord, but to confess our sins to each other. I find it hard often to even confess my sins to my wife. It's hard for us to do that unless we are in relationship with one another, unless we know each other and are known by each other. But it's important for us to confess to each other 
Because when we do, we can point each other to the Lord, point each other to the cross, remind each other of the gospel. But also we can hold each other accountable in our sin. And we need this accountability to support one another when we are weak. This is something that is very key. So this is how we're going to do this. Uh, Like I said, it's going to be rolled out slowly because we want to do this well. This will be, in a sense, the lifeblood of who we are as a church. And what we're going to do is we're going to spend the fall training leaders for this group. Uh, Over our retreat, the session uh, prayerfully considered and selected a few couples that we desired to lead these groups. And these couples are going to be joining together uh, with the session at my house during the fall And we're going to model for them what a missional community group looks like. So that in January, as we launch these, uh, they will be trained and know how to do it. They will be be able to train future leaders as well. So during the fall, what we're going to do is this group is going to meet together. And Lord willing, these groups will grow and multiply as our church grows and multiplies by the grace of God through the gospel And every member is going to be encouraged to be a member of a missional community group that is growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, What this means as well is we don't want to be a church that is so overcommitted to things that we have no time together for families. So this is actually going to take the place of our Wednesday night activities. Yes, there's still going to be ladies Bible study, uh, but this fall we're actually not going to have Kids Quest. Uh, We decided that as a Christian education committee and as a session that we're going to put that on hold for right now so that we can focus on these small groups. These are going to be very family-friendly groups um, so that the families can be together, that we're not always separating our community, but that we're coming together as a community. So uh, I'm sure that you may have a lot of questions uh, about these community groups, what this will look like. Uh, Come talk to me. Uh, talk to a member of the session. Uh, we'll gladly uh, answer any questions that you have. But as we conclude this morning, I want to r- remind us of what Steve preached to us last week, of our adoption as sons into God's family. He preached from Galatians chapter 4, verses 4-7 through seven about our adoption into the family of God. We are adopted into this community. This is one of the most beautiful things about the gospel. Ephesians 2, verses 12 and 13 says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and you were strangers to the covenants and to the promise. We were strangers. We were alienated from God. And Paul says, You are having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We were saved to be the people of God. When God made a covenant with Abram, He told him that Abram would be the father of a great of many nations, that he would make him into a great nation, into a people. In fact, God changed his name from Abram to Abraham, which means the father of nations. 
we together as God's people are a community of believers. We are joined together as the bride of Christ. Those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus have become the family of God. We are brothers and sisters now. We are family. And the Bible gives us this other beautiful image of who we are. Together we are the bride. This past week, I was able to witness and officiate uh, the wedding of my niece. And there's that time in the wedding ceremony when everybody stands up and the bride comes through the doors and everybody turns and everybody looks at the, the beauty of the bride. During that time, I always look at the groom's face. (laughs) Because there's always so much joy. And I'm reminded of seeing Stephanie for the first time on our wedding day. And how beautiful she looked. And knowing that, that she was coming forward to become, to be joined to me, to be my wife. I can't imagine the face of Christ as he looks at us, his bride. The joy that he must have, knowing that he has redeemed us to be his, to be his beautiful bride. And in the end, as believers in Christ, as this bride, we are going to be part of a great community, a multitude in heaven that John describes in Revelation 7. And I want to conclude with this image. This is why we do community here on earth, because it points forward to this community that we will have in heaven. Revelation chapter 7. John writes, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. I pray that the life that we live here in community with one another will be a small foretaste of that joy that we will share glorifying God together forever. Let us pray. Our most gracious God and our Father in heaven, Lord, we know that you have created us uh, to be in relationship with you and in community with one another, that you, through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, have redeemed a people that you have redeemed your bride. I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would equip us to be a community of believers, 
that we would live together as brothers and sisters in Christ, loving one another, encouraging one another, confessing our sins to one another, honoring and glorifying you with one another. Lord, help us to do the hard work of facilitating this community. We pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would work in and through us to this end. For your glory and for the advancement of your kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen.